You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Hockey's back. The Kings are back. And that means the boys are back, I, I guess, for season two of The Bannerman, Vardy. How are I you said, I'm this good. evening? I, I, I guess it is season two. I hadn't even thought about that. I was just more concerned that it was episode 26, the Trent Klatt episode. Oh, good pull. Mm, I was wondering you. what you were going to say. Uh, I could have I gone Nick Dowd, but I, I reached into the archives on that one. We can't go Voinov. I think we've established that. Uh, we don't um, speak that name. Maybe a second Ray Ferraro because he was first number 20. And there then Luke Robitaille bribed him with a trip to Hawaii. To, <laughs> that's a true story. To take the number 20 back. Little, little Bannerman nuggets for you. You know we're back when we drop those. That's right. Auto coming in strong after a one-month hiatus. So it has been that long. Um, it has, and we're sorry. We are, but at the same time, I don't think the shows would have been very entertaining because there wasn't a whole lot going on. How was your summer, Vardy? Let's talk about your August since yeah. there was not a whole lot there, hockey-wise. Yeah, I took the Bob McKenzie route and just disappeared for a little while. Smart Went move. Went to such, such uh, exotic locales as uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Oh, not, not for the hockey tournament that was there, but I just missed that. Actually, Fancy. yes, it was a family trip. And then uh, more recently, as I posted on Twitter, I was in uh, Smashville, Tennessee. I saw lovely, that. lovely little town that I'm convinced is uh, is basically just about three blocks worth of ridiculousness. And then the rest is pretty quiet. But that's a good three blocks they got going. It's really interesting. The this I didn't realize how close the stadium was to literally all the bars. And all the honky tonk bars. So if you were to start at one end of it and just drink your way up, nice. you know, kind of pre gaming, you would stumble directly into the arena and down the stairwell onto the ice. So oh, it's very good engineering right there. Well thought out plan. Beautifully planned. Beautifully planned. I would love to go there. Um, other than the hockey aspect of it, I heard the crowd, obviously. We've seen the home crowd in Nashville, how fun they are. I think it's a. Uh, What's the street? Is it Broadway? Essentially, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. So Broadway's the main street. I would love to just do what you just said. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Get totally is, greased up. Yeah. Get oiled up and just walk right into the arena and see see what happens. And and the folks in Nashville will welcome that with open arms. It's uh it's interesting. You, I don't. You kind of hear about it, and anytime you watch a telecast, obviously they're going to talk about how. Some Nashville's a hockey town and they've really embraced the game and you think like, okay, so some of that's probably true, but really, is it just the 20,000 people that are in this arena and whoever they hire to come and sing the anthem, but the rest of the town doesn't really care? Dude, there's predator stuff everywhere Nice in that town. It is very impressive. It that's- is very impressive. Like every restaurant I went to, every bar I went to, even off of Broadway, like predator stuff was everywhere i'm not i'm not surprised because i mean yes like you just mentioned it could be the 20k that's in the arena but the way they're involved that stuff's infectious man like if you're if you live in nashville and you didn't know who the predators were and you turned on a game during their cup run a a couple of seasons ago you would want to be involved um i'm not from nashville uh, my allegiances are here in Los Angeles, and I kind of want to be involved in an atmosphere like that. Right. I would love if Kings fans 
packed the stadium and had you know sing-alongs for players or moments or situations that's the kind of stuff that's really fun uh, as a fan if you can get into it that's why people like to go to concerts because everyone's like singing the same song and it's like everyone's in unison they're there for the same reason same mindset so i get it um i'm jealous of it let's do it kings fans let's get together I mean, and start some chats dude maybe it's going in that direction i mean vegas is a full-on you know the <laughs> knights of the royal realm show before every damn thing everyone gets mutton chops and things like that they really engage in the medieval timesy of it so i mean is it that far off for la to have a band i mean la of all places you got bands you could throw a rock and hit six bands before it hits the ground you can have any one of these bands perform between intermissions i don't think anyone would mind that and and yet so. we get like this is LA, our city, our home is the right. best King song anyone can come up with. No offense to anyone, but six I mean, seasons straight, baby, going strong. I think we could chart topper up our game. Um, so I was in Ireland. That's right. I was going to ask I, you. You tell me how you're. I visited went. the Emerald City uh, for about island? eight days. The Emerald Island. Is did I say city? You did say the Emerald City. I was thinking of Dublin, which is not the Emerald City, but. Nope. I think the Emerald City is from Wizard of Oz. There it is. <laughs> See? I knew it's somewhere. You just, you just got to find it, man. He's still jet lag, guys. He's yeah. doing this, running I, on fumes right now. I absolutely am, am jet lagged. Um, it's 10 p.m. I'd be sound asleep right now uh, in Ireland. But no, it was great, man. Uh, we did a couple of nights in Dublin. Then we drove across to Galway, then Limerick. Um, cork and then back up to dublin i'm sure i missed the city in there somewhere but we did have a few stops um the driving part of it was fun it was horrifying (laughs) because i've never driven on the left side of the road where the steering wheels on the right side of the car it's like trying to stick handle right-handed for you correct that's actually very true um and i just want to say i'm very happy that i got insurance on that rental because i did graze a few things <laughs> anything alive <laughs> nothing alive oh good actually that's not true i hit a bush uh i i did hit a bush and when plants i say hit, have life good plants, have life. plants do have life um, but everything else was just no inanimate objects you know no things sheep. like that nothing no no like no that. sheep they were safe uh but man the countryside is just stunning you know, it is so beautiful. Not a hint of yellow or brown anywhere. Just green on green. I get why Conor McGregor has his fascination with money. Because that's the only color he's probably ever seen uh, his entire life. Um, but yeah. Deep. You know, people tell you like, oh, Ireland, it's so green. And you see photos online and you hear that it's green. But until you go there and see how green that green actually is. Mm. Uh, you can't really appreciate it. So everyone go to Ireland. And then stop in Nashville. Pit stop in Nashville before you get there. <laughs> no big deal. Those are the Bannerman uh, summer vacation plans. There that, you go. That's right. But you know what? Recharged, re-energized. Let's talk some hockey, man. It's time once again. I feel like it was only yesterday when we started mm-hmm. this podcast and we were right around here. I can't believe we're still here. I can't believe we've actually had people tell us they like us here. Yeah. And they and want us to keep doing this. For sure. And it's like become becoming more and more of a thing. In fact, let's Do throw we out – we have fans? We have, like we have actual fans? I'm going to throw out some shout-outs. 
A um, couple of people. Right. First of all, we our last episode was the ten things we would change about uh, change in the NHL to make the league better. It was met with positive reviews for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did ask people to email us, write us, tweet us about what they would change, and we got one, Vardy. So I'm going to let you speak on that. Uh, it was from our boy Avokay on Twitter. I believe he suggested that we had suggested that there would be a built-in compliance buyout uh, every five years. There would be a window for teams to use it, and if you use it, you have to wait another five years uh, to use it again. And he suggested that there should be a renegotiation period for every contract. So that means that a player and the general manager would sit down and see if they could renegotiate the contract for better or worse for either side. Yeah. So the NFL kind of has something like this. Every once in a while, you'll see uh, a contract being renegotiated. Sometimes it's a player just being a good team player and trying to help out the team in terms of bringing in some extra talent. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I I know. (laughs) I know. Every once in a while it happens. Um, Typically, you'll see it happen on, you know, teams like the Patriots or someone like that, that you know, they're always one player away from making another championship run and someone wants a ring. And so they're willing to kind of compromise what they need. And I'm not saying that wouldn't necessarily happen in the NHL. It's certainly possible. I just don't know how well a, uh, a renegotiation period like that would work within the union and how the players approach it right now. Cause I'm, I'm looking at it always from the perspective of the player. So if they sign like a seven year deal and then three years each, and they come into the team and say, hey, I feel like I need more money than this or I'm going to hold out. Right. It's it's, you know, that's not going to go too hot. And at the same time, from the owner's perspective, I can't imagine them ever approaching a player and saying, hey, man, you're not living really living up to your contract. What do you say? We cut it in half. Right. You know, no player is going to be like, sure, you're right. That's the honorable thing to do. I I don't know. I don't necessarily see it going that way. However, to kind of piggyback off of off of suggestion, I think it's reasonable to um, to kind of almost give the teams maybe a a one time both the team and the player like a one time opportunity to kind of reapproach the negotiating table and say something like that, but just not not on a regular basis. You know, like you get the opportunity to do that one time during a player's contract where the player can approach the team and say, you know, I'd like more money. And if the team is willing, then they can do that. And if they're not, they can walk away from it. Or similarly, the team can approach a player and say, we like you, we want to keep you, just not at this number. What do you say we renegotiate it? Maybe something like that would be doable. Yeah, I think that would be, that's probably a non-starter for the owners and the players. It's it's such a tough thing to add into the collective bargaining agreement. When we mentioned the compliance buyout window every five years and all that, I think that's a little different because you, the player is still going to get their money, right? Uh, whether or and not they can immediately go sign another contract correct. somewhere so, else. So they would actually get a second salary, essentially. You know, compliance or not, the buyout is still an option right now. Uh, so you, you get bought out. You know, that's the money you get. The, what does a player care if it's against the team's cap or not? At that point, they just want yeah. to know what am i getting so yeah i mean it's an interesting suggestion uh, especially especially with other sports like you mentioned 
the option, right? And the NBA is a big thing. The club right. option, the player option, all these things. Hockey's never really had that or attempted to have that. So, it, And who knows Who knows what will come from the next round of CBA negotiations. I mean, you're always – we're always worried that the next CBA – and I forget if it's in two years or three years, but whether that's going to lead to yet another lockout, yet another – situation now where the league is doing better than it was and the players are trying to find ways for themselves to obviously have a bigger piece of the pie and more job security going forward hopefully the lockout streak ends for the nhl it hasn't been good um yes the last one was short but even the short ones i mean it wasn't short i take it back we lost half half a season that's significant of course that's coming off a full season, maybe that's why I felt like it was a short one because that mm-hmm. was a nightmare. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. So, thanks, Avo, for that uh, tweet. Good suggestion. Uh, I also want to say thanks to Mike Irwin who sent us a really long and lovely email showing right. us a lot of love. Um, I can't read most of it. It was uh, profanity-laced, but in a good way. Just the way we like. Just the way we like. So, Mike, thanks for the email. Uh, and I believe we had a comment. Yeah, on the on the website, we also had a little um, feedback with regards to the list miserable. Um, to list to miserable. That's right. To list to miserable. <laughs> the the sequel that all the kids were raving about. Right. Um, so we had an email from a gentleman named uh, Rob, and I apologize if I absolutely butcher your last name as someone with a complicated last name. I feel like I should be better at this, but <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Fissure. That's what I'm going with here. Very, very yes. well done. Yes. So, uh, and he said, of your 20 changes, I have to say one won't work. You can't put the age of the UFA any lower. Teams will rush players along too quickly. Um, I understand. I completely understand where Rob's coming from in this one. I think I was making that suggestion in terms of lowering the UFA age more so from the player's perspective, where I feel like players now are not being brought into the league as quickly as they can be. And they're actually being delayed being brought in when they actually have NHL uh, caliber talent um, because a team wants to hold on to their UFA years longer. So I think if they drop the UFA age a little bit, it gives the players a chance to maybe come into the league earlier. And um, I I don't think that they'll care if they're rushed along too quickly necessarily if they have the talent to play in the league and right. then they get to right. be a UFA younger. Right. But I can see where he's coming from. And, you know, you have certain players that uh, might want to develop or take a little more time to develop and a team knows that they can sit on them because they're not going to be UFA until a certain point in time. And then now they'd rather bring someone in and risk their development because otherwise they'd lose them. So that's, it can go both ways on that one. I'll give him that. And then the second half of Rob's suggestion was, uh, why not rename all of the trophies? Cause we had suggested implementing the, uh, Gretzky trophy for the most assists in a season. And he was suggesting who actually remembers Art Ross or Norris or Vesna. Why are those, you know, trophy names still exist? Why not rename all of them? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, I like a lot of the changes the NHL has made. Um, but for whatever reason, I have this like hockey fundamentalist of me within me that always feels like the NHL's the oldest league of the major four leagues. And 
It has all these historical figures that were so important to it, and I don't want them to lose that entire connection. And so even something as simple as the trophy names, I mean, we've already gone away from the division names for something more geographic, which for better or for worse makes more sense. Um, But I think having those trophy names in there is, is something symbolic, you know, you've, you've achieved something that has the name of one of your forefathers of the league, if you will, behind it. It's like, why is it called the Stanley cup? Right. Like Lord yep. Stanley gifted it to to the league way back in 19 something, early 1900s. But I mean, who who even knows who that is versus like the NFL? OK, it's the Vince Lombardi trophy. Vince Lombardi is obviously the greatest coach in the history of the NFL or whatever it may be. But I don't know. To me, I, I still appreciate the fact that it's known as a Stanley Cup and there's like a legend behind it. There's a certain legend behind the names of. James Norris, Art Ross, all those things. And I would hate to lose that legend for the sake of calling the Vesna the, I don't know, the Patrick Waugh trophy or whatever, you know, goalie you think is the best goalie ever. Agreed. Kind of and and we're not – and just to be clear, we're not talking about renaming a trophy. We're talking about creating a trophy. So it, it's – I Actually, no, I think he was suggesting renaming them. Right, but – our initial Gretzky, uh, yes, we're yes. talking about creating a trophy that does not exist. Correct. Um, I, in terms of uh, trophy names that were changed, the only one I could think of is the Lester B. Pearson, is mm-hmm. it, that went turned into the Ted Lindsay? If I'm not mistaken, the Ted Lindsay is a trophy that was renamed. I have to look into that one because I thought the Lindsay was maybe voted on – by the players. By the players. For is the MVP. The, yeah. And that used to be the Lester Pearson Award. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, so that's a recent one that was renamed. But I know the significance is that Ted Lindsay was a driving force in creating the NHLPA. And so you have an award where the players get to vote on the award. It's more than fitting Correct. To go Ted Lindsay on that. So that was that was an honor thing. But overall, yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to see the the trophies uh, renamed. Um, I thought – I think it's good. It's for the best that the conferences went from Clarence and Wales to – The trophies are sorry, still called or, sorry, that. Sorry, uh, Campbell and Wales to East and West. I think that's for the best to grow the game and all that, especially the boom – the hockey boom of 1994 around then when the Rangers won the cup. Hockey was at its peak. Uh, it had higher ratings than basketball. It was outdrawing basketball. It had more media attention than basketball. Probably the only time before or since that that's happened. And a lot of it is because the game beca- uh, the game became more accessible to a lot of people. So right. I, have no, I have no beef with that. Um, but thank you for the comment as always. And guys, keep them coming. If they're interesting, if they're intriguing, or if they're just fun as hell, like that email from Mike Irwin, uh, we'll, we'll share it on there because yeah. that's what we love to do. Yeah, we thought that email was a joke because we could not imagine anyone being so profusely complimentary to us. Yeah, so we're still investigating to see who, if it is a joke or not. If that not. is your real name, <laughs> yeah. Mike. Yeah, uh, so – it was a slow August, as we mentioned. It was. Um, and while I was in Ireland, the Some NHL happened. decided to go apeshit crazy, as it <laughs> usually does when I'm not looking. 
Uh, and specifically the Pacific Division, Vardy, which is shaping up to be Murderer's Row. Yay for us. Let's start it off. Max Pacioretty. It's months of speculation. A couple of moments where he was almost an L.A. King. Trade was approved. Uh, contingent on him signing a deal. That didn't happen. He fired his agent. A couple of months later... He goes to the dreaded Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, so the um, so the reported deal that was on the table for him, uh, should he have accepted a trade to the Kings, was uh, six years, six million per. Yes, six I times believe. six. Yeah, and he and ends he ended, up signing for four times seven. Right, right. And he's uh, thirty-one. I want to say. 30 or 31. 30, 31, something uh, actually, like that. Actually, he's probably 29, 30. Okay. Anyway, so he's he's 30. Yeah. Let's yeah. settle on so, 30 years old. So let me let's let's approach it I think from a king's perspective. And I don't know if that if that trade offer, you know, let's let's assume it was real. Okay. And, and uh, let's also try to figure out what it was based on what Vegas gave up. And I yeah. that's I thought something that we could do. So Vegas gives up yeah. Tatar, who they 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 gave a lot of draft picks for, right. uh, a 2019 second round pick, and probably the big piece going back, Nick Suzuki, mm-hmm. a first round draft pick from the 2018 draft. He was, I think, the 13th overall pick or something like that. He was. He oh no, was it was the 2017 draft because it was. He, it was the it, one that. That's right. They had their three first picks. draft. Correct. Correct. Right. So and he's. Looks like he's going to be a player. It's obviously yeah. too early to tell, but that's a high-end prospect. When I look at that, I can't – I have a hard time figuring out what the Kings would send to equal this. Obviously, the 2019 right. second-round pick, no problem. That's probably part of the deal. It would have to be a, a prospect. I My initial reaction is uh, Jared Anderson Dolan. Yeah, that's exactly who I thought. Is going. And then Thomas Tatar, uh, probably a roster player. I I was thinking Pearson, Pearson maybe would be maybe. the one that would kind of fit that billing. Even though I think I'd prefer Pearson over Tatar, but that's I a think, rough haul, man, for the Kings. Yeah, I like Pacioretty, I really do. But I mean, just those two players, even in and of itself, like I'm not. It's not like I'm I'm opposed to moving Pearson, and Pacioretty is certainly a player that I would consider it for. But to give a Pearson. Um, Anderson Dolan, Jared Anderson Dolan, and second. another second round pick. That's rough. roughly that's, that's what rough. we're talking about. For let's say four years of Max Pacioretty. Yeah, I think if I think maybe that's that's where my sticking point is. Is um, I don't know if I would want six years of Pacioretty. I'm a right. little weary of that part. Right. Well, he'd be you know 36 at the end of the deal. So yeah. Yeah, and that's not to say that he's not a great player and that he's not going to do really well in Vegas and make life hell for us, which he probably will. Um, but I just – I don't know. I, I think with with the direction and how the Kings are trying to build their team right now, um, to sign someone like that at six years is, uh, is, a, is a tough thing for me to feel comfortable with. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just uh, yeah I, no I'm with you man I think the toughest part for me is Jared Anderson Dolan in this deal 
it, hypothetical deal, whatever. Pearson for Pacioretty, I think you get a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah, Pearson for Pacioretty and even picks but, in there, I'm okay but with. But here's the thing. For the first time in a long time, at least seven, not seven years, but five to six years, the Kings are now thinking about this next wave mm-hmm. of players that are coming. And they have to, right? Because the core that's set right now is on the back end now. Yeah. Is on the back nine of their uh, of their career. So now, for the first time, and this happened with Blake coming in, now the Kings are thinking about the next wave of players that are coming in. And from all indications, man, I, we were high on him early, but now it just seems like with every, I mean, everything, I mean, every yeah. game, every day I read something new about him, it's like this kid is going to be a real deal NHL player. So that he hurts the most in that hypothetical trade the second and pearson fine you know whatever you get a little bit of an upgrade in scoring we would miss pearson but you know you are getting a perennial 30 goal guy so you have to give to get but it would yeah it would hurt to lose jared anderson's own especially with uh gabe velarde's uh health issues which we we touched that we touched on we speculated on last time. yeah last three episodes we we've probably been scared and for and a good reason maybe we're wrong we thought maybe nads maybe it's just something minor uh, turns think, out not so minor no the state of the franchise meeting uh which for the most part it was pretty low-key but the mm-hmm. big thing that came out of it was that this one quote rob blake had it about how this is going to be a consistent and constant issue for Gabe Velarde, his back moving forward is going to be a thing he deals with every single season for the rest of his career. And when you put it like that, it kind of it kind of yeah. hits you a little different than saying, "Oh, his back's acting up," or you know, he I don't know had a setback in his recovery. It's not sure. like that. It's, this is just a consistent, constant thing that's going to be with him. And there's been plenty of players. Um, great players, average players who have dealt with back issues their entire career. Mario Lemieux is the obvious one that comes to mm-hmm. mind. This guy used to get like rubbed down well, his back anyway before every single game. Like very careful attention paid to his back his entire career. He retired essentially because of injury the first time. Uh, he had already he had already you know, been healthy after his Hodgkin scare and all that. So it was strictly a physical thing with him and it was very much about his back. He came back a few years later. So players have dealt with this and he's going to have to deal with it. I guess the plus side is, you know, Mario Lemieux, we're talking about 94, 95. We're not in 94, 95 anymore. You know, these guys are built differently. They train differently. Uh, The organizations have, medical staff that is way different way more advanced training staffs that are way different way more advanced the way players take care of themselves now is way different than it was back then i mean right. I, i'm pretty sure mario lemieux was a smoker while he was lighting up the league so you know it's different times um in that case i'm a little more optimistic mm-hmm. but it still is concerning to hear those words that it's going to be an issue Basically, right, a long-term it's not gonna, issue it's with not going to get any better. Like if he's, you know, if he's having symptoms at 19 at the beginning of his career, I don't anticipate them getting better at age 28. No, it's you know, it's a containment thing. Right. You know, it's it's they always say you can't stop it; you just hope to contain it. That's yeah, kind of what it is with him. I'm still hopeful. 
Yeah, we're not we were not writing off his career, but no, you know. it's it's not the best start to a young yeah. man's career. Obviously, someone as highly regarded as he is, but hopefully he'll be okay. He's not in training camp. Right. He's delayed. We don't know when he'll be there. Uh, word is or speculation says that he should be there by the end of it. And if he is there by the end of it, he still has a pretty good chance of making the team. But it's a wait and see. And hopefully he'll be okay. And hopefully we see him on opening night wearing the silver and black. But to, to kind of go back to the Pacioretty discussion as it came up, um, in my mind, I was kind of looking at it as, okay, would I rather have six years of Pacioretty or, and lose Anderson Dolan, Pearson first or something equivalent to that? Or would I prefer to have three years of Kovalchuk right. at whatever level we may get him without losing anything at all? Because if you give up Pearson and you give up Jared Anderson Dolan for Pacioretty, you're still down a forward in your top six, I think. I, you know, you bring in a guy like Pacioretty, you put him on the first line, you're still – now you're losing a second line right, right, right. winger. You haven't, you haven't filled that gap versus you sign a guy like Kovalchuk. Because you can't have both. Right. Monetarily Although speaking. that was something that apparently was also being somehow – Which blows my mind. I, I, don't, I don't even know how, how you hell, would do that. Yeah, anyway. But to me, if I'm thinking at it from a more long-term perspective and if all the reviews from Kovalchuk's ability are, are to be believed and you know he's still a viable 20-25 goal scorer who's never had – quite frankly, a center to the caliber of Ko- of uh, Kopitar ever playing with him. Oh, man. Mark Savar is probably the best center he's ever played right? with. Right, um, And who's a great player, by the he way. Was. Don't, don't he was. He was, but, but I mean, come on. You know, this is, to me, I, I'm, I'm looking at the optics from not just a short-term but a long-term point of view because I feel like, Say, for example, the Kings actually got Pacioretty. In my mind, the next move was a Vegas because going to sign Kovalchuk. And then I would have the exact same reaction. Right, I, would ju- right. I, would, I would be just as angry that Vegas has Kovalchuk as I am right now that they have Pacioretty. Because I, you know that he's going to be a 20-25 goal scorer, health prevailing. And somehow on Vegas, I feel like he'd be a 30-35 goal scorer. Because that's just apparently what happens when you go on that team. Yeah. So I'm not happy that they have Vegas, I mean, that they have Pacioretty. But at the same time, I feel like if we had gotten Pacioretty and we had signed him on that contract, we would have lost a couple of roster players, some picks, and then Vegas would have just turned around and signed Kovalchuk. And then would we really be a better team overall? Would we, would we have a better chance within our division with that type of a layout? Versus yeah. now... I don't know. I feel like if Kovalchuk doesn't work out, we're only tied to him for two, three seasons. And that gives you enough time for the, some of these younger guys to come up and maybe develop into something. No, it's, it's, it's true. It's a two play, It's having two players versus having one player. Because yeah. in the trade, you're going to lose Pearson. You're going to get one back. Uh, but when you sign someone without giving up any assets, that's that's. and we talked about this at great length in the previous right. episodes – that's what it really came down to for the Kings. Vegas, I think, <laughs> miraculously looks better uh, than they did last year. I mean, last year, no one thought they looked good from the beginning. Let's just be honest here. But towards yeah. the end, obviously, you saw what they were about. 
and they started and looking I, and good. And I still contend that the, re, the one of the biggest surprises for them was William Carlson. Okay, you take away William Carlson having it's a 90 some It has to be the season. biggest surprise because yeah. the other guy is Flurry, but Flurry's done it before where right. it's more of a resurgence here. William Carlson is came out of nowhere. You know, when you you looked at that lineup, that Vegas lineup in September, October of last year, whatever, you were like, okay, you know, James Neal, fine. David Perron, okay. You know, he's a second-line center. Right. But, you know, John, even Riley Smith, even, and, Riley Smith, know, even Marcia, so who's coming right, off they've a done good, it. They had done it, but still not to that level. Uh, but William Carlson, man, he's just obviously – talk about a career year. I mean, that is the definition of a career year. He he made a career in one season. Right. He'll, he'll be, he's set for the rest of his career, so he, he's good on that. Uh, but for Vegas, I think they upgrade on Perron. They upgrade on Neil. We'll get into it more next week. And, yes, that's next week, guys. Our season preview episode, we'll get into it more. Um, so they're going to be looking pretty good. But the other trade, Vardy. I mean, This one hurt a little more. <laughs> this one, I knew it was possible. The rumors were ramping up right even before I went to Ireland. So I knew that any moment, like, once I connected to the Wi-Fi, which was few and far in between, by the way, when you're on the road, mm-hmm. um, that I, I might get an alert that I don't like or a text from you that I don't like at all. And that's exactly what happened. I got a text from you and I saw the trade and, man, I have so much to say about this, but I could sum it up in three letters. It's WTF. Good letters. What a crappy crappy return for arguably the best defenseman in the league or in our case we say he's the second best defenseman in the league right good god ottawa good god you have graduated from tire fire to clown fire which is just a combination of clown shoes and a fire (laughs) you sir are a poet i don't even know what to say about this deal first of all let's start here okay they my god it was obvious in the middle of the season that they needed to rebuild it was obvious to everyone that that's what needed to happen their general manager said oh no what no us no 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 they got duchene granted it wasn't in the middle of the season but they got duchene they gave up a first round pick to get Matt Duchesne. That pick right now, you could take it to the bank. It's a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. You know who the top prospect is? It's Jack Hughes. He's probably going to be a borderline generational type player. And, like Eric Carlson. Correct. And the clear-cut worst team in the NHL will not have a shot at him. Because I don't even know. I don't even know what the hell's going on there. I don't think... In all my years of watching hockey, I have seen a more depressing, a more sad sight than the Ottawa Senators have been the last 13 or 14 months. It has been absolutely horrendous. The return they got on this deal, it's a joke. (laughs) What, What else can you say about it? It is horrible. Yeah. I guess maybe we should just review the... The return on it, just to kind of clarify, and I'll Fine. pull it up here just so I get it all, 
all properly. But um, so uh, the senators received Chris Tierney, who um, has been developing nicely for the uh, for the Sharks. Bottom six player. Bottom six player, yes. But, you know, he put up 40 points, an improvement on the prior. He was drafted sec- uh, in the second round in 2012. But, you know, let's his peak is second line player. Okay, okay so let's say that? middle six forward. Middle six forward, fine. Fine, good. Dylan DeMello, middle pairing defenseman, I think. Peak. He's never, he, yeah, at his peak. Cool. Okay, middle pairing defenseman drafted in 2011. What you got is what you got. He's doing better. He's been a valuable component to their lineup. But again, middle six. I mean, a middle middle pairing defenseman. Then you get Josh Norris, decent um, prospect. Decent-ish. I believe he was a first round pick. Okay. Yeah, I think he was a. If I'm remembering correctly, yeah, he was a first round pick, 2017, 19th overall. So okay, fine. You got a first round prospect out of it. Good. And then you got yourself a few other prospects. You got a first round pick in 2020. You got a second round pick in 2019 and then a conditional second round pick. And the condition on this is, I believe, if he ends up if if Carlson ends up getting traded back to a team in the Eastern Conference, I think they end up getting a second round pick. I think there was something situational like that. Is it not just the extension? I don't know if it's just the extension. There was another condition that, like, if if he ends up getting traded back to the Eastern Conference, I think Ottawa gets a, an additional pick out of it. Maybe I'm, it's it's something weird like that. I think the bigger problem is I don't. We're not getting a clear sense from Ottawa as to what direction they're going oh, with their team. It's clear now. All. Hold on. Well, I mean, it's very clear now. Peter Dorian went out. Pierre Dorian went out and said, "We are now in." the midst of a rebuild and the collective hockey world said yeah no kidding you just traded a franchise defenseman you you should have traded him before when you had the best offer possible you should not have picked up matt duchene you should not have fooled yourself when things were off the rails in the first month of the season and you're denying that this team's headed for a rebuild when everyone else pretty much knew it was headed for a rebuild. The situation was toxic and now they're screwed because Duchesne is a free agent right? Uh, next summer and so is Stone. Right. And, and w- then you're left with would Bobby anyone <laughs> be willing to bet any money on those two staying in Ottawa right? in this situation? It's, I guess that's what I mean by the direction is not clear. Because if you knew that you were headed towards a rebuild or you felt like you were headed in that direction, you should have been able to foresee that six months ago and do the right things to go in that direction. Because everyone else was saying six months ago, it looks like Ottawa is going towards a rebuild. What is Ottawa doing? What is going on in Senator's town at the moment? And everyone was kind of beating around the bush and the rumors were there all the time and they kept denying it for reasons that are completely unclear and now they're going to try and salvage this this absolute train wreck of a situation that they created for themselves um so just to touch up on on those conditions so you're right if carlson is on an eastern conference roster during the 18 19 season i'll tell you why it matters i'll tell you why 
Uh, if Carlson is on Eastern Conference roster during the 18-19 season, the Senators receive an additional first-round pick from the Sharks. Right. Uh, that has to be before then, on or before the 2022 draft. Um, this seems like <laughs> this seems like it's so they don't get Hoffman again. <laughs> Tell me that, that does that. That's not what this feels like. But again, why does that matter to you in Ottawa if you're a team who's completely rebuilding? Because they're run by I don't even I don't want to. Look, it's it to me. It's such a petty condition. Exactly, it's like they like, they felt stupid on the Hoffman deal, right? Right. Because what happened is San Jose flipped them for right. more right. than they got initially, and so this is basically saying not this time. So if he goes to an Eastern Conference team, they're going to get an additional first from the Sharks. And I love how they go through that Hoffman trade. And then they still send him to San Jose. Like you would think, if you were so burned by <laughs> by the team in the first place, that you wouldn't even trust them. The very surprising thing is, like, is this really the best offer? Well, you it heard would, rumors that I think Vegas was saying that they would have taken Carlson on and swallowed Bobby Ryan's contract. Yes, yes. but again, what's coming back? That's the question on that one. Is it less than this because you're taking on Bobby Ryan? I'll always maintain if you can get a great deal for Carlson, do not throw Ryan in there to derail the deal. Right, because right, then you're uh, just going to dilute it you're for just, salary. Exactly. You can't, you, know, you can't ruin a generational player's value by throwing you know, an anchor onto that. and yeah. being, you know, So you don't do that. But then I look at the return. I'm like, is this really like – could you not have forced them? Well, not them, maybe, but could you not have forced someone to get take Bobby Ryan and get a similar return? Because this yeah. isn't a great return. You 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 don't have anyone in that trade who's going to jump in and you know really be a solid contributor to your lineup. No, I mean Tierney will be okay. Well, Tierney's here's the thing though. Tierney's a good player. No, on he, a, he on does, a team like San Jose. He doesn't He's push a the needle. Player. He right. doesn't move the needle. That's the right. bottom line. Carlson. Does many things, <laughs> many things to the needle. Um, but how about the Sharks? Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was like, after uh, Toronto got Tavares, and what was it, end of July, early August, I was like, man, you are not going to see trades like that. The huge, just big-time generational talent instantly getting traded to a team and making them Stanley Cup favorites, right? Like, would you would you argue if I were well, to tell you that? Well, that was a signing. Sorry, sorry. That You're was, right. it was, a, that, that was okay. free agency. But movement. Movement, like, right. right. Movement. movement. Big movement, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, although a couple of summers ago that um, Hall for uh, Larson and then Subban for Which Weber just, on the same day, <laughs> that was so. kind of crazy. But, yeah, no, it, look, big players, big names, they don't move very often. Right. So to me, I thought, you know, July coming around with that signing, I was like, okay, clearly Toronto's the favorite coming out of the East, maybe maybe one of the cup favorites, right, based on that signing alone. And then Vegas fits Pacioretty, and I'm like, damn, Vegas all of a sudden jumps right back up in that contender category again as if they weren't already. And then less than 48 hours later, San Jose gets Carlson. And I'm like, I was so excited to get Kovalchuk and actually have a left wing. And now I just feel like 
It doesn't got, matter. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a deck of cards and all the kids are playing video games, you know? Yeah. yeah. Burns and Carlson obviously is a big subject matter in terms of a lot of comparisons to Pronger and Niedermeyer having each guy on. One at of those guys will be on the ice at all times if yeah, they're not a pair. 30 minutes each. Uh, which they won't be. I think they're going to, you know, Mark Edwards Vlasic, who is the third best defenseman in that group, uh, who's pretty much an elite shutdown defenseman in the NHL right. right now. Imagine that power play. Imagine Carlson and Burns on the point with Pavelski, Thornton, and Couture. Kane. Oh, yeah, he's there too. Yeah. That's going to be a good team. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would say the Pacific's wide open. Not that wide open anymore. Nope. I think there is a clear-cut best team on paper in the Pacific and in in San Jose, and then the rest is kind of up to the games. But tell me, like, there are no – I don't see a single weak team in the Pacific other than Vancouver. But even they – you don't know what happens with right. teams sometimes. You just don't know. You can't really predict it. On paper, though, that's a tough division all of a sudden. Very, yeah. very tough division. I feel like almost aside from Tavares, you know, all the other major movement happened in the Pacific. Well, I mean, the funny thing is you mentioned Toronto. Ottawa and Montreal are in their division, and the two guys we're talking about leaves leave that division. Right. Uh, they, and they don't go to Tampa. Like yeah. he, they were rumored, Carlson was rumored he might go to Tampa. So Toronto's probably sitting pretty right now. Yeah. In that division, looking around and being like, okay, this is nice. <laughs> like this is, we, they just lost, you know, Montreal's, I don't think they're going to be good. Um, we all know what Ottawa's likely to be. But yeah, it's crazy. So it's like exporting from, from that division and importing to the Pacific, basically. Descending them as far away as possible, and and we get to suffer. The sharks were going to be good anyway. <laughs> now they're a little, now they're a little better. Now they're obviously a tier higher than what we expected them to be. Yep. I can't. Is there anyone in the West you would place above them right now in the entire Western Conference? Legitimate question. <sighs> Nashville, are they there? I mean, maybe, man. But I think Nashville's maybe a a deeper overall team but that doesn't mean anything i think are they though i mean are there i think their defense is deeper which is insane to say because we just talked about carlson right. burns and vlasic i think high-end defense goes to san jose but depth one to six probably nashville takes the edge on that um if if thornton can still go mm-hmm. a little bit and he's their third line center but I, I still don't know who will play 1C for them. Yeah. Is it Logan? The most punchable face in the entire league? <laughs> and, you, like, you know Edmonton's going to be better. And, yeah, that's the other thing. You have the other best player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> in another Pacific Division team. Who's, who's, by the way, still a kid. And yeah. at any point in his career can just, I don't know, go off for 150 points in a season. Right. Because he hasn't even reached his peak yet. Uh, Calgary... Probably can't be worse, right? Um, Anaheim, eh, I don't know. It's a wait and see. 
I just feel like when I look at that division, the Kings are scraping to be third. Yeah, and then you don't know, like, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been turnaround there, and there you get the feeling that they could be a surprise team. Or at the very, very least, a threat. They're going to give us trouble, for sure. Yeah, a threat to make the playoffs. Anyway. So it comes down to basically Vancouver. and I, I, We've lost two before. We've lost two recently, in the recent past. Right. So it's going to be a tough division, man. So next week when we do our season preview and we have to pick a winner, I think we both know who we're going to pick. Mm-hmm. But ranking them 2-6 to six or 2-7, to seven, whatever we are now, 2-8, to eight, that's going to be tough. Yeah, it was a bit of a downer. I'm not gonna lie. Damn you, Theodoria! No, because it unless you're a complete homer, you know what this means. Yeah, you know how good that guy is. Yeah, and we think Drew Doughty's the best defenseman in the league. But if someone told me it's a one A one B, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because that's how good that guy is. Um, the good thing is he's not as great defensively as our guy. But he doesn't have to be. No, because they're going to pair him up with Vlasic. No, they're going to have the puck the whole game, so it doesn't really matter. That's right. That's another thing. Um, Anything else uh, in in camp for the Kings that's. Um, I think the other interesting thing, you know, kind of touching again back on the Velarde injury, um, you know, he was basically penciled in to be a third line uh, forward for the Kings, but now with the injury. Yeah. So they say. Now, with the injury and the uncertain timeline, I think it opens up the possibility of someone maybe making the team out of camp that you wouldn't otherwise expect. Sure. Um, Sheldon uh, Rempel is the guy who's been on the third line, and, t- and today they had a preseason game where he was on, mostly on the third line with Iafalo and, uh, and Kempe. Yes. Um, so that's a possibility. I don't know if Anderson Dolan kind of a dark horse i don't know if they'd burn a year of his elc for the sake of that but everything say, out of i'm gonna say no I, i'm I gonna say no as well i think yeah. it's no but like you know stranger things have happened i've seen oscar moeller make the kings out of camp those were dark <laughs> times a <laughs> little different vardy a little different <laughs> yeah but i i do wish anderson dolan was a little older so he could go to the ahl right away yeah um that would have been nice but anyway yeah. uh emerson Edom. Mm-hmm. Right, um, he had a hat trick in the Kings versus Kings game. Uh, that was a couple of nights ago in Ontario. Scored three. Um, uh, probably not going to be there in the end. Right. But I I do have a fond Emerson Eden memory with you okay. being there in the building in the 2010 draft, and we went up to draft. Uh, it was in LA. We had tickets. Mm-hmm. We went. We went up to draft. Uh, I forget what our pick was. Was it ten? Uh, it was. It was the one before Tarasenko, Vardy. Are you talking about the forward pick? That's right. Yeah, it was ten. So it was ten, um, and I remember distinctly. You really wanted Emerson Edom. Wow! You really called for him. Come to me, Emerson. <laughs> and now, what is it? Uh, eight years later. <laughs> Sorry, it was 15th overall. I apologize. Okay, so 15th. Yes, and Edom goes 29 to the Ducks that year. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, one, wanting Emerson Edom in the 10th spot and then being severely upset that he went 
to the Anaheim Ducks that year. So I thought I would share that with you on air, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. This is very uh, to me. This is on par with Gabbert coming to the Kings for you. It's it's a very similar you know happiness. I think. (laughs) Yeah. And and also for compared to something I wanted, Scott Wedgwood coming to the Uh, Kings. Yeah, the Wedgeheads. That's right. Although in reality, I think this is going to be the equivalent of uh, Devin Setaguchi coming to the Kings. Yes, very um, similar PTO situation. Man, interesting draft uh, from a Kings perspective because eleven, the eleventh pick is Jack Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who is now a King. Then obviously Derek Forbert, who um, remains a King, who remains a King, um, and then Emerson Needham, who is I guess now a king king ish kind of a little bit <laughs> probably not and that's the same draft tyler Toffoli goes number 47 mm-hmm. and uh interesting fact um jack campbell Derek forbert emerson edom all of them are not victor tarasenko not sure if you knew that or evgeny kuznetsov at number 26 also not him either so nope. so vlad tarasenko evgeny kuznetsov why don't people like russians they just they only roll in and score 50 goals a season. I know. They, like consistently. Well, the last couple of Russians that I think were significant for the Kings were you know, he who shall not be named. Yeah. And uh And then before him it was freaking Frolov, yeah. That's a big gap. That is. That is. So next week things. next week, that's a one only a one week wait, guys. Seven right. sleeps from now. Right. Um, we're coming back with the season preview episode. Last season, it was called "Around the League in 80 Minutes." We're gonna have to figure out what's called this time, or just get really lazy and call it Volume Two. Thinking about it, think. Got to be honest. <laughs> we're hoping not to. Yeah. We're really trying to keep creative, at least with the episode titles. Right, and um, by then, more preseason games. Mm-hmm. will have been played by the way there were two tonight as we record this Vardy right. um, I think they're both done now yes the Arizona game the one in Arizona Kings lose that one four to two um, two goals by Jeff Carter who else who else uh, the one in LA Kings lose four to three in a shootout right no actually uh Lawson Krauss scores with about a minute and some change uh, left for Arizona. Jerk. Uh, Kings goals were Martinez, Dowdy, and Brown. Brown's goal, power play from Kopitar and Kovalchuk. There it is. His first point as a King, but in the preseason, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's a... It'll be nice to see him on the power play. I think that's the most one of the most things I'm most pumped about this season is just to watch just see him. One timers, yeah, just take one time clap bombs from the right side and see what happens, man. Hurt somebody, something. <laughs> Maybe hurt Carlson. That was mean. I didn't mean that. Hit him in the Achilles. Jeez. <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> Uh, it's his Achilles heel. <laughs> uh, I think all the rust is off, guys. I think all the rust is off. I, I think his Achilles is healed. 
Uh, okay, so the rust isn't off yet, so rust. <laughs> but it's coming, and it's gonna come just in time for the next episode, episode twenty-seven. Is it gonna be the John Tonelli episode? Is it gonna be the Joe Coro episode? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you're, gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to come and see. So until then, we are the Bannerman. We are back. Sorry for the long summer. Uh, Go Kings Go. And we're available through all formats. Uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, email, Facebook, MySpace, MySpace FairShare, Friendster, uh, Napster, Friendster, Napster uh, USPS, um, Sega Genesis. I don't think it had online. Those two cups with strings between them? Yes. <laughs> Reach out to us, uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on iTunes, subscribe, please. Uh, feel free to comment in any which way you prefer. We love the feedback. Um, any parting words, my friend? Yeah, let us know if you like the new show open with the silky smooth voiceover and everything. We're upgrading, uh, yo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit us up, right. guys. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.